Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Rich Change Less Square Theatre Podcast, except it's at the Great Yorkshire Fringe. I recorded this uh, on Saturday, the uh, 29th of July uh, uh, in the evening, and my guests are uh, Rahul Kohli and Martin Barras, who you may not have heard of, but they're both very interesting men, and uh, this is a good hour podcast with half an hour from both of them. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not come see me at the Edinburgh Fringe? I'm doing my show Oh Frig on 50 at the Pleasance One from the 2nd to the 26th of August at 7.30pm. You can find out about tickets on richardhone.com slash gigs. Similarly, I'm doing three only Richard Hone's Edinburgh Fringe podcasts at the Grand Hall of the Newtown Theatre uh, on the 4th, 11th and 18th of August at 1350 Worth booking ahead for those. It's quite a big venue, but I think both of these shows are selling reasonably well, both in quite big venues. So if probably if you're going to make a last-minute decision to come, you can do that. The uh, Ofrig on 50 uh, on the 7.30pm show uh, has cheaper tickets on the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of August, and then on the following Monday and Tuesday, it's two for one. So if you want to save some money, why not come and see it early if you're up here already? Um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this little bonus podcast. It was lots of fun to do, and there's near-death experiences in here, and racism. It's got the lot, everything you'd want. Remember, if you want to get your own copy of Emergency Questions, go to gofasterstrike.com slash EQ. Uh, you can now get a regular version. You can get a signed version. You can get, if you're quick, you can get a limited edition with a Shrek in it. And if you're if you want to have a specially... Um, dedicated one to someone you love or to yourself and you want me to write something in it then you can also get that it's at a stipend though I'll let you know I'll also be selling uh, emergency questions books and some other stuff at the end of all my gigs in Edinburgh and probably on tour so why not buy one from me and get it signed for free okay bye ladies and gentlemen Yes, that's right. You heard me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Not the Lesser Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who doesn't know where he is. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much. Hello, how are you doing? Um, It's lovely to be here. Uh, Welcome to Rich Chains Leicester Square Theatre podcast, except at the Great Yorkshire Fringe. Or uh, some of the... I was down... Uh, Booth and Crescent the other day, and uh, the uh, the youth York City team, who, to be honest, are the only decent team in this city. <laughs> they call, and that's including rugby. Call it Rahalastabar X Yeah, good. Uh, it's it's lovely to be here. We're just doing a, a, a special because uh, we're at the uh, Great Yorkshire Friends. I've just done my uh, solo stand-up show, and I don't care what you think about it. Yeah, if you've, see, if you've seen it. We didn't see it. Well, it was, it was... But it doesn't matter what you think about it. Uh, and... Uh, you didn't... You, you what? I didn't see it. You didn't see it, but you didn't think about it. No, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. Okay. It's going to take quite a long time to get through this if we go, we go around uh, individual... I did see it, and I, but I do not want to proffer an opinion. I know, I'm saying... Who was it? How good was it? It was very good. It was very good. Yeah. Am I, am I introducing you? Am I interviewing you? I don't I wasn't sure about who either of the guests today, but maybe it's you. I don't know. <laughs> Do you support York City? Yeah, well, well fuck off, mate. You're not, you're not a proper Yorkshireman. You might sound like one. Uh, if you don't support the Minster men, good and bad, actually, just bad. In their decline. Do you think they're going to go down again this year? I do. 
Is there, is there any further to go? <laughs> but they'll win the FA Trophy. That's all I care about. FA Trophy all the way. So uh, anyway, uh, the, uh, the, po- the uh, emergency questions, you, if you're a fan of the podcast, you may uh, be aware that we have emergency questions. They've kind of hit the big time in the news. Uh, I think that uh, Scaramouche, Scaramouche, do the Fandango, that bloke. He must have a copy of the Emergency Questions book, which you can buy from www.gofasterstripe.com. Uh, he's talking about Steve Bannon being able to suck his own cock, which is a big part of this. I don't know if my guests have, know that. There is a 10-minute bit in the middle where we all attempt to suck our own cocks. And uh, hopefully you can, you'll learn to do so, sir, and then that might... <laughs> that might... Yeah, it might, might shut you up. <laughs> uh, but... Um, yeah, so that was very exciting, uh, and uh, yeah, we're, I'm on my way to Edinburgh. I'm doing uh, York today and uh, Newcastle tomorrow, and then it's the Edinburgh Fringe with my show, Oh Frig, I'm 50, uh, and uh, here's a little taster for you of, if you, did, if you missed the show. I'll do a couple of jokes for you, mate. Uh, see, how, see, see how you think, see how you feel. Um, I can't believe I'm 50, it's so old. Uh, we recently bought a puppy because we have to, we're moving to the countryside, so that's the law. Uh, I realise it's the first pet I've ever owned that has a realistic chance of outliving me. Uh, See, that man, that lot of this audience saw that joke uh, an hour ago. <laughs> when I buy a bag for life now, I think, yeah, it probably is. Uh, so um, if you're listening at home, come and see uh, that, the rest of the show. There's a man who hasn't seen it in the audience, and he uh, doesn't know what it's like because he hasn't seen <laughs> So uh, let's introduce my first guest uh, today. We've got two guests today. It's going to be a lightning couple of interviews within the hour. Uh, the, uh, he's probably best known for being confused with the bloke from iZombie, who has the same name as him. And in fact, when I got his name through, I thought, oh, brilliant, That's, that, was a, that was a surprise. <laughs> but he's a fantastic stand-up comedian as well. It's Rahul Kohli, ladies and gentlemen. Here he comes, hopefully. Come in. Hold on. You're not the bloke from iZombie. I don't know what I'd have talked to the bloke about iZombie from about, though, because I don't... My Probably wife, iZombie. It would be mainly iZombie. I think he was in an episode of Supergirl as well. Uh, I did quite a lot of research on him when I was looking... <laughs> when I was trying to find anything about you on the internet. Uh, do you think it's a good idea having the same name as an established, successful actor? No, it is not. It's, it's, not, it's not ideal having uh, the same name as somebody more successful and more attractive than me in the same field of, of, of work. <laughs> But I didn't choose my name. It kind of was given to me. There was no choice yeah. in the matter. Uh, and at this point, I'm five years into my comedy career. I've got people who are coming to see my shows yeah. because they've seen me last year. So if I just change my name to Raul Gonzalez or some shit like that, <laughs> people are going to get a bit annoyed. But at the same time, there is the double issue of it because, for example, I've been booked to headline a club in Liverpool. Uh, I shouldn't have said Liverpool because that sort of gives it away because now it's one of three. I've been booked to headline a club somewhere and they've booked me a headline and they've used a picture of him thinking I am him, but I haven't told them otherwise. <laughs> But he's not a comedian either, so he would have been quite. If they got him, he would have been quite disappointing, wouldn't he? I think. He just would have come on and gone, yeah, I'm. I, I, I don't, don't know. Eat, I don't eat people's brains. Yeah, I don't, don't know. I've followed him on Twitter. He's pretty funny. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> so you're the second funniest. Yeah, Raul, unfortunately, in the so. World. <laughs> it's a good show. My wife likes it, and I, I watched it for a bit, and then I got bored of it. I just <laughs> thought it was. I just thought it was, you know, a bit silly. Yeah, I've never so, watched it. Yeah. No, you watch it. It's, it's quite silly. It's no, I'm not going to watch somebody more successful than me with my name, the bastard. <laughs> so tell us about yourself. You're a, you're a new... Yeah, you've been doing stand-up for about five years or something? About five years, about three yeah. years professionally. Okay. And, and what were you doing before you became a stand-up comedian? Uh, I, I, was, I was working in sales and uh, I hated my life. Um, <laughs> I was selling shit that people didn't need. Like, uh, I was selling microwave insurance. 
Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like that was pretty awful because nobody needs microwave insurance. I was just conning pensioners into buying things that they didn't want to buy. I was down on the phone like, oh, you need microwave insurance, Terry. And he's like, why? I'm like, well, it might blow up. You don't know where ISIS are hiding these days. Uh, they've got a borrower division, I swear down. Um, and I hated my life. And that's when yeah. I really started working on stand-up. And then it, it worked out for me, luckily, uh, until I realized there was another fucking Rahul Kohli around. <laughs> you could put a middle, people put a middle initial in sometimes, don't they? Yeah yeah, 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 I could just put Rahul Co- K. Coley. Yeah, can we do middle name K? Yeah, sorry? Is your middle, middle name, is it K? No, I don't have a middle name, no. that's the problem. No, neither does he, the bastard. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll have to deal with that as it comes. Cool. Uh, and you're from, uh, I'm, I'm picking up the accent, I, I would say you're from Heaton. Oh, that's spot on. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. the area of Newcastle. I'm yeah. really yeah, impressed so, by yeah, that. Thank you. Now, what uh, ethnicity am I? <laughs> <laughs> Sort of a brown, brownish, brown, <laughs> brown, brown, something, something brown. Correct. <laughs> uh, what is the tallest building in uh, Heaton? Uh, it's not me dad's corner shop, that's for sure. Um, uh, I, c- I could not tell you. For no, the I don't know either. Don't okay, know. well, that's fantastic. Thought you might know. Um, you met Princess Beatrice. Uh, I have not messed. It said so in Beatrice. your thing. Said so. The only, I've got one piece of information from you. Maybe it's the other Rahul Kohli's matter. You said there's a whole thing in your thing that's written in the first person. Oh say. yes, no, no, no. I did. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, 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 I did. Yeah, but she was a bitch, and I try and forget about that. Uh, basically, what happened was just, uh, just as I did my first stand-up gig, I was working on the Puma Yard uh, 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 in London. It was during the 2012 Olympics, and that was the official Jamaican after-hours sort of like headquarters. So I got to see Usain Bolt DJ. I said DJ played one song, and then he went, "This is not safe enough," and ran away. Uh, 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 and on Jamaican Independence Day, we had all the celebrities come down. So we had uh, uh, Usain Bolt, uh, Professor Green was there, the guy who played Thor, and Princess Beatrice. And she was, yeah, she was a bitch because what happened was <laughs> when we were closing up, we had to get rid of everybody. Now, Usain Bolt was just stood there drinking his drink, chatting to like three Swedish blonde women. We left him alone because he's Usain Bolt. We didn't realise Princess Beatrice was there and we kind of went up. We didn't realise who she was, should I say. We didn't know her face or anything. So we just asked her to move and she went, do you know who I am? We were like, no. She was like, I'm Princess Beatrice. And we were like, yeah, but this has a certain licence and it closes. We don't have your royalty. We, we need to get you out of here. And she went, well, you didn't make Usain Bolt go. And we're like, yeah, because he's Usain Bolt. We know who he is. <laughs> that was what happened when we met Princess also, Beatrice. Oh, so you can calculate how quickly you can get out of the bar. He's can, he can stay in a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> that as well. <laughs> so good. Uh, Princess Beatrice's dad's uh, Prince Andrew, isn't he? I, 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 so. I don't pay attention to your Think monarchy, so. I'll be honest. Uh, but, uh, Tell you a few stories about him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also from your one-page thing that I've read about you, which I hope this is true as well, uh, there's a gig in Hastings that was memorable for you. And Hastings, oh, I have to say, God. Isn't, the pl- uh, isn't the place I would like to play because I'm a little bit too dark-skinned. For, yeah. uh, for the- <laughs> For their liking. Yeah, well, uh, would, would, so their liking on? depends on there being a crowd. So this was when I'd start out. And uh, when you start out and you're an open mic, you're traveling around the country doing gigs for free in the hope that somebody will spot you and you move on and on and on. Uh, so I traveled all the way from the northeast of England, Newcastle, to Hastings. We got there. There was no audience. But this was about my fifth, sixth, maybe seventh gig or something like that. And the promoter made us do our sets. So I had to do 10 minutes 
to just one guy as he sat in his chair like this and just nodded and smiled <laughs> like some weird comedic laugh dance <laughs> to no laughter. And then he promised me paid work and he didn't offer it to me uh, in the end. And the worst thing about it is I'm not even the most famous person to have traveled all the way from the Northeast to Hastings just to fucking die. Uh, <laughs> Who is your favorite famous person from Heaton who's come from Heaton? Uh, Russ Noble's a Mac, a mini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gavin Webster, is he? <laughs> yeah, seems, seems a bit off the point. Uh, uh, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Would you, would you count Gavin Webster as famous? No. No, okay, well, he's out he's not. Window. He's not on the Wikipedia page. You can have Cheryl Cole. Uh, Chaz... Oh, his brother comes in at my corner shop. There you go. He's a dirty smack addict and a thief. Fuck him. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in. Uh, Chaz, Chaz Chandler's from Heaton. Chaz Chandler? Yeah, he was in The Animals. He was uh, managed uh, Jimi Hendrix. Oh, Jimi yeah. Hendrix used to play around the corner. Yeah, he played, and Jimi Hendrix played a gig in Heaton. Yeah, he plays on Chili, he used to busk on Chili Road. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's clearly not ours, but we like to pretend he's not Harry Jordy <laughs> as a result. Uh, come on, can I have Jimi, Jimi, Jimi Hendrix? Uh, no. Okay. You yeah. can have Jack Common, who uh, wrote the novel Ampersand. And also, I think more interestingly, modelled for the bust of Karl Marx that's on his grave in Highgate. <laughs> Which I, I thought, that's probably Karl Marx did that, but no. That was a bloke from Heaton called Jack Common who wrote a book called Ampersand. So, Which, you know, I'd love to read Ampersand. It's just, <laughs> that's just an, that's a symbol for and. It's like calling book and. And. <laughs> so I've got a choice between the three. Yeah. No more else. Who's, uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's all I've got. You, yourself, I suppose. I'll go for Cheryl Cole. Cheryl Cole's family nice. friends, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> that's how I work it. Good. And you're doing Edinburgh, and you're doing... Uh, you're 25 years old, I discovered, backstage, which is half my age. You're literally half my age. Uh, the annoying thing about getting to 50 is people half your age, it's not even disgusting to have sex with them anymore. Not that we're going to... <laughs> when I was 40, you know, it's like when, when I was... Well, well, I was 40, you know, I'd sleep with girls you... young enough to be my daughter, and now I won't want to sleep with girls who want to sleep with their grandfather. So that is, <laughs> it's kind of all right if they want to sleep with you as, your, as uh, their father. That's normal. Well, Richard, what I would tell you is I will, yeah. I will do whatever I have to do to get ahead in this industry. <laughs> it's very hard <laughs> to move on. Uh, so what are you doing? You're doing what, what are your shows? Three shows in three Edinburgh. Shows, in one yes. every single day, three shows. One every single day. The first one is at 1pm at Cabaret Voltaire on the corner of Cowgate. That's called Newcastle Brown Tales, which is a pun on my show last year, which was called Newcastle Brown Mill, based on the beer Newcastle Brown Hill. Uh, and that is just now of true... Yeah. Fantastic! <laughs> Some fans of alcohol in tonight. Do you like brown males? That is the question. <laughs> uh, no, that's a, 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 it's an hour of true stories based on the fact that my best friend at childhood was a kid called Specky Rizwan, uh, who was somewhere between uh, a really successful drug dealer and also a devout Muslim and also Jay off the in-betweeners. He just bullshitted. And it got me in a hell of a lot of trouble being friends with him. My 7 p.m. show is called A Not-So-Chubby Brown. That is at the stand. Uh, and that is all about political, the political situation in the world and the snap election, Trump, ISIS, so all, all the fun topics. Uh, and then I've got Midnight, which is my... Comp what, between ISIS, Jeremy Corbyn and Trump? <laughs> ISIS and Trump, uh, well, is hey, it mate. a fist fight? Is it one of these Mayweather-McGregor type things where it's one of them get to use terrorism, the other one just get to ban transgendered people or? 
Who would win? Probably who Black would, Isis on the basis of mathematics. I just, who would? I'll ask the questions in this show. Thank you. <laughs> don't get. You don't go on Parkers and a bloke starts shouting out, who would win in a fight? Who would win? The question is a good emergency question. I'll ask everyone this. <laughs> who would win in a fight between Donald Trump and the whole of ISIS? <laughs> Donald Trump on his own. Is he, is he armed, Donald Trump? Un, an unarmed Donald Trump versus a load of suicide bombers who don't care if they... I mean, they'd all lose in a way, wouldn't they? Because, you know, they'd all be dead and the suicide bombers go, hey, we're going to heaven. Oh, no, there's no God. We fucked that up. Still, at least, still, at least they killed Donald Trump. So um, we'd win, I think. Would we win if all of ISIS, if all of ISIS blew themselves up and took out Donald Trump at the same time? The rest of the world would win, I think. Wouldn't we? Uh, the, some of us might survive. <laughs> but thanks for the question. It's good. What you really need to write the book of emergency questions is a very drunk Yorkshireman. That is, that is, that's <laughs> the, just an incredibly drunk Yorkshireman. <laughs> it's good, man. It's fun. Is <laughs> that going my Christmas book? Thank you. I just won't appreciate that. <laughs> they, they won't. It's, they'll be very cross with me for daring to. <laughs> it's my winter festival book. <laughs> then, then, so just to get the ISIS, just to get the ISIS people in. As long as they blow the book up at the same time, so the next one has to buy another copy. That is, that is, <laughs> that's all I care. Uh, I'll ask you some emergency questions of my own. This is how you write. Ask an emergency question, mate. Sit back and learn. <laughs> not ridiculous questions like you asked. If you, <laughs> if you had to do a human centipede with two other people, if you had to, and you were in the middle, which people would go at either end? Okay. You know it... what a human centipede is? You know. That, that this lady's is very keen answering. To be, uh... That lady's very keen. What, do, you want to, do you want him to shit in your mouth or do you want to shit in his <laughs> mouth? Uh... I apologise for <laughs> this. This very crude audience. It's a very uh... crude response to the human centipede question. <laughs> It's a very serious question. Uh, would it be misogynistic to put Emma Watson at the front? No, so I okay, think Emma fine. Watson's definitely at the front. Uh, and at the back, I'd probably... I'd put Nigel Farage. Yeah, popular choice. Just so he is opposed to spouting shite about immigrants coming out of his mouth, <laughs> he can have the reverse. Very good answer, very good answer. I met, uh, I met Nigel Farage for the first time recently. Genuinely, I did. I was, really? on, I, was on, I was on this week. It was, I don't like to talk about it because <laughs> it was generally one of the most humiliating and mortifying experiences of my life from the very start. It's a terrible show. Uh, I, they didn't tell me I had to be in the sketch at the beginning, which is literally like the worst sketch. Every week, it's the worst sketch that's was, ever Was happened. Nigel in the sketch? Yeah. I, not, but, <laughs> and uh, I was in a sketch with Nigel Farage, Ed Balls and uh, Michael Portillo. We, we do, we're a new sketch troupe. We're going up to the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> Look out for us, it's going to be fucking awesome. We do mainly astronaut-based material so far, uh, and something written by someone who's a political journalist who has no understanding of how comedy works. Uh, so that was, that was the first bit, and then, uh, then I met... But I met Nigel Farage, and it's weird, I'd met Ed Balls, who you know, is a nice guy, I think, but you know, he's quite beholden to show business now, and he was talking about all these showbiz opportunities. I met Michael Portillo, and I shook Michael Portillo's hand, and I thought, that's kind of weird that I shook Michael Portillo's hand given how I would have felt about him sort of 20 years ago, but he seems to become this more benign figure. But then Nigel Farage was sitting in the green room when I walked in afterwards, and I wouldn't look him in the face or shake his hand or speak to him. So it's, it's saying something when you meet someone and go, yeah, I shook Michael Portillo's hand, mate, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no. This, is, this is a step too far. Uh, so, and I didn't know Nigel Farage was going to be on the show. We weren't on anything together, actually, but it was... Um, 
Ah, it was it was a strange. Was a, one day I'll feel comfortable enough talking about it. <laughs> one day I'll watch it again, uh, and we'll talk about it. Anyway, uh, he's not a very nice man, Nigel Farage. What in person? Well, I didn't really speak to him, but he seemed oily and disgusting, as you'd imagine. <laughs> Actually, he was. I did glance up at him once, just when he wasn't looking, and he was more handsome than you would imagine. But how handsome do you imagine he is? <laughs> he's slightly more handsome than that. I don't know. I've it's not too deep, but I have a relative idea of handsomeness uh, in the sense that if you're handsome, you don't want to kick me out of the country. So <laughs> that's how I would perceive that. Yeah. He's not, he's not very nice. He had some horrible young... young. I think, yeah, he had some young PR guy and they're all very excited about... Basically, in his bit, what annoyed me, Michael Patello picked on me because he didn't think I was making a good point, but it was really because I'd slagged him off for, <laughs> for doing a stupid sketch. Uh, and, uh, but uh, Nigel Farage said in his piece that basically if... Brexit didn't go through as he imagined Brexit to be, there would be trouble. Basically, so basically incited, he's saying, if we don't have hard Brexit, I will arrange to, you know, have insurgency, is more or less what he said. But, and then no, they didn't give him a hard time at all. I came on and said, uh, oh, I think, uh, I didn't even think it, they asked me to, to argue this, politicians are awkward these days. And then Michael went, you are you're outrageous, you're disgusting, you disgust me coming here saying this about politicians. You go, not want to save that for the bloke who wants to start a, a revolution. <laughs> no, fine. Did enough. you hear what he said if, if hard Brexit didn't go the way he fancied it? Yeah. Which if it didn't go well, he said he'd leave the country. So essentially yeah. if Brexit <laughs> doesn't go well, he'll be an economic refugee. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, he's not gone to America. But also, like, within, when it was going, when it was 52.48 the other way, which it was for a beautiful half an hour before I went to bed <laughs> on the night. <laughs> then he was going, this will not stand. We won't stand for this. We're not going to give up. And then he goes the other way. Yeah, you have to give up. That's, that's, <laughs> you have to stop. It's been decided. Uh, if you had to be anally violated by a popular chocolate bar, <laughs> if you had to be, you had to be. But you can choose the chocolate bar. Whoever's forcing you to do this will let you have the chocolate bar of your choice. Which chocolate bar would you have inserted into your anus? Violently. Do Maltesers count? Um, I think there because is a Maltese. Strawberry a... lace, put it through, it's anal beads, isn't it? There's, there's a Malteser bar that I would allow you to have. A but Malteser on his own is a single piece chocolate. And uh, there is a Malteser bar, but it's, it is, it's more. Uh... No, it's a bit more thick and a bit more ridged. Yeah, it uh, is. The Kinder Maxi's quite small, but okay. it's, it's got them ridges that could snap off pretty easily. <laughs> Yeah, what, do you want it to go stay in one piece so you can eat it afterwards? <laughs> Is that what you Just so it doesn't get trapped in there forever. That's yeah. all I'm thinking. Uh, I think you'd probably be okay. Uh, I, yeah, think it, I think nature would work it out. It, it's quite warm in there. I'd probably say, do, do twiglets count? Twiglets aren't really a chocolate bar. I mean, I, I mean, if you say your dad runs a corner shop, I don't want to eat anything. It's coming, it's coming out. Uh, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd probably go with Kinder Maxi. Kinder Maxi. Kinder Maxi. Yeah, okay. I'll allow, I'm going to allow it. Uh, they're not, then you know, not all. It's just those are the ones that came at random. They just happened to be very concerned with anuses. Uh, when, I, <laughs> when Julian Clare was on the show, he'd seen the previous one and he said, You're very, You heterosexual men are very concerned with anuses, aren't you? <laughs> but you know, it's not just for, for homosexuals, is it? The anus, we can all enjoy it. So, <laughs> I'm saying, I've got one and I enjoy it. And, and to what degree, in what sense? <laughs> in every sense. <laughs> Every, everything that goes in and everything that comes out is a pleasure. <laughs> I have not tried, but as I say, if this is what you need to do to get ahead in the business, I will. I will be invested in Kinder Maxis. So uh, we, you've done the Fringe just one year before, or have you done more than one before? You did, you yeah, I've actually done uh, four years You've done four before. years at the Fringe? Yeah, but the first... 
two uh, 45 minute shows uh, just to kind of, I'm very lucky uh, because my best friend lives up there so I get free accommodation. Mm -hmm. So actually I make a decent amount of money from it. So the first two, I did 45 minute shows and didn't uh, want to get the press in and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the third year, uh, I did an hour show called Newcastle Brown Mail, as I say, and uh, I invited the press, but then because, I don't know, I ju it just it's like London. It just got more and more busy and the spots were harder and harder to get. And as a result, I only got six dates, so nobody came and see my show. So that was fun. <laughs> uh, and then last year, I took the same show up to the stand, and that was really well, and this yeah, is yeah. my fifth out. It's good. It's, well, it's very hard now, Edinburgh. I think, you know, when I, we, I've been going for uh, th th over the last 30 years before you were alive. <laughs> for the sperm that created you had even been created. That's, <laughs> you weren't even a sperm when I did. Uh, your egg was still in there. The eggs, interestingly, uh, are, are inside the women when they're actually born. Did you know that? I, I had no idea. Yeah. This is a biology lesson. So your egg, was, I was your egg was there. Your egg was ready to come out. It was a few, a few down the line. About, six, <laughs> about 60 down the line. I don't like, you know, I don't Me know if you're comfortable talking still about waiting, your... waiting for my time to shine. Are you, are you comfortable talking about it's your... It's like Edinburgh all over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was much easier in those days because there was about 30 comedians and now there's about 1,000 comedians. So it's, yeah. hard to, it's hard to make a name Yeah, it did seem it's not only Brexit voters who want to take us back to the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. No, it is, it is very hard because, like, I mean, in my third year, I had a better CV than I did. In my first year, I had nothing, and I got 10.30 p.m. on a bus. Um, <laughs> and bus out of Edinburgh. The 10.30 no. 10, the 10, the to Inverness. <laughs> 10.30pm, a bus, it was the, uh, is it, you know, Bob who does the yeah, Bob bus? Slayer, yeah. I think it was the same bus, but it was Laughing Horse at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. And it was in the Cowgate uh, in Three Sisters, so it was right dead centre, and that was perfect. I didn't even have to fly, I just walked around the courtyard, get people in. Third year, I had a way better CV, way more things to my name, and I only got six dates, and that was it, at 11 in the morning, no less. Uh, it's just got more and more busy and more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. more and more harder to get spots. But it's very good to get in the stand. It's hard to get into the stand, and everyone wants to be in the stand, really. Uh, yeah, that is true, because they are perhaps, in my personal opinion, the best paid venue in terms of how they deal with their, yeah. their, their, their acts and how they negotiate that whole thing. But also, it's like, they have a stand in Newcastle, Edinburgh, and Glasgow. And if you're in Newcastle and you're half decent, and there is an actor who shares your name who will draw in a crowd. They will give you a show. <laughs> they will give you a show, Richard. <laughs> and so with your principal show, was, have you had to rewrite it? or is, was, uh, do, uh, Loads. Yeah, yeah. So much. Because at first, I mean, I started doing the previews just after Edinburgh last year. So the first one was about the rise of the far right and how Brexit happened and how the left let it happen. Then we moved on and then it became Trump's election and even more of the further rise of the far right. And then uh, the snap election was called, which fucked everything for me. Uh, <laughs> and it was all about the snap election and the run of the snap election because I was doing my Brighton Fringe shows before the snap election. And then the snap election happened. And then after, like just before the snap election, I put my mind was going, okay, Theresa May is going to run over Jeremy Corbyn easily. So I wrote this whole show about, you know, even more of a rise <laughs> of the far right. And then it was a hung parliament. So now I'm doing a show about the rise of the far right, followed by a rise of the far right, followed by a rise of the far left. And it makes no fucking sense. Uh, it's a good show that you should come. It's tomorrow, 8 p.m. at uh, the, 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 the shed. <laughs> it's crazy times. But, I mean, it's all, it's, I think it's hard to 
satirize a lot of the stuff that's going on, isn't it? Certainly in America. It's hard to satirize Trump. You've got to be very original when you're satirizing Trump because yeah. it's hard to satirize somebody who is just a walking satirize, just a walking satire of themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, the thick of it seems. I feel like Armando Iannucci is running the world in some sort of weird, <laughs> perverse way. It is very hard to write satire about Trump because you have to be very original. It's too easy to just say, well, he said this. Yeah, he said that. Even like, <laughs> did you see the thing uh, with his son-in-law? Uh, did you see that? Well, which one? Which, which, uh, which, no, which particular his, his thing? His son. So yeah. basically, uh, his son's in the middle of a massive investigation because he had a meeting with a Russian lawyer who represented Putin that he never told anyone about. Now, this journalist had been put, the poor lad had been working on this story for a full year doing all this mad investigative journalism. And then Donald Trump's son just tweeted that he had this meeting with the Russian lawyer. <laughs> and, and he just, he literally put a tweet out himself and he went, I've been working on this story for a year. And he just, he just tweeted it out. Uh, <laughs> it's hard, it, it is hard, especially Twitter particularly, I think for comedians, particularly political or current affairs based comedians, it makes it very, very hard because if you want to write a joke, you'll realize that 75 people are way more than that have cracked the same joke on Twitter. Uh, that was actually, uh, uh, Chortle gave me a review last year where they said some of the political material uh, was very original and very great, but others, you know, I've seen memes on Twitter sharing the same thing. Like, fucking, I don't know, I'm not the meme king. I don't fucking keep up with all of the memes. I just try and write jokes. It is difficult, don't, don't. but then that's, I think Twitter's quite a good, sometimes with a joke, you've got to be the first one in with it. I think that's the thing with Twitter. If you, there's an obvious joke, and if you're first, then it's fine. But if you're not first, then it's terrible. And if you, especially if you're a comedian and you're beaten by, you know, a non-comedian. Yeah, this, very, this is the thing. Like, these people, half of these people who are putting out these memes and shit, they're not comedians. Yeah, yeah. They're working like fucking digital marketing. And it's really annoying. I've turned into Nigel Farage myself, <laughs> but you fucking digital marketers taking my job. You don't fucking see me out here trying to fucking run the Facebook page for Cadbury Day, you bastards. <laughs> But then I think it's quite useful because if some, if a lot of people are cracking the same joke and you see it, then it's quite. Then you go, okay, then I need to do better than that. I think there is an element of that. Yeah, I mean, but as I long do, as you're getting there's some lots of original. Yeah, I mean, jokes obviously, as well. I wasn't alive then, but I do think, like, like you say, like back when the '80s, where you could just steal other people's jokes and nobody would know. <laughs> it was a lot easier then. That's how I got started. Uh, so, um, look, it's been lovely to talk to you, and I'm, I'm going to try and catch one of your shows at least. Oh, thank you very much. Um, but I won't do. Okay. I won't, I won't do it because. Because it's just I get to Edinburgh and I'm very tired and, you know, I live quite near the stand this year, but it's still a walk up a hill, isn't it? Okay, you're doing, uh, so, uh, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing any shows at midnight? Uh, I'm not doing any shows at midnight. You're not doing any shows at midnight? No. Would, you, would you like to uh, headline midnight. Cole and the Gang midnight, midnight. for the, the princely sum of £10? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> convince them. Give me, give it's me a lot cheer. of money. Midnight's so late. <laughs> midnight Fucking is like, coffin dodgers. <laughs> midnight is like six o'clock in the morning <laughs> to you, for me. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> give him a Rahul Kohli, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. And uh, please keep that applause going. So we're going to welcome a man who's probably best known for playing Graveney in Dramarama. Remember Dramarama? <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it's Martin Barras, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, how are you doing? Sit down. Hello, everyone. All right. Do you remember, remember being in Dramarama? Dramarama, 1986, Southern Television, uh, Southampton, playing a punk with a sort of a, ear, a, a little trumpet earring that hung down. And uh, Terence Rigby was my yeah. dad. Right. In it. And I remember we went for a beer after the first day of rehearsal. I said, uh, Terry, do you want a you know, pint of lager? I went, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, bitter. He said, no, no, I, uh, I haven't drunk for four years now since I saw a lion coming out of a wall. 
So think, <laughs> what? He said, no, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Uh, recovering from the night before, I think, actually. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it, uh, that, that was... But Dramarama was... Drama was, was a great we, show. We rehearsed it for like three weeks. Uh, normally, telly things like that, you rehearse for, I don't know, maybe about two, three days. But this was like doing an actual theatre job. Yeah. Uh, and rehearsed Central London. And it was, it was, it was great. It was brilliant yeah. to do, yeah. Four Doctor Whos have appeared in Dramarama. Do you know that? A bit of trivia. Can you can you name the four Doctor Who's that have appeared in Drama Rama? Miss William Hartnell. <laughs> uh, four Doctor Who's. Yeah, Patrick Troughton was. Patrick Troughton. I think right. Sylvester, uh, Sylvester McCoy, and then a very young David Tennant, and a very young um, David Tennant. Yeah. He must have been in nappies at the yeah, time. Yeah, he looks, looks very young. I saw a picture of him. And, the, you know, the other one, uh, what's his face? Capaldi, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Wasn't it? Yeah, not? yeah. There you go. That's the drama. Do you remember drama, Ian? No. no? Okay. <laughs> I remember drama, Though, Since 1986, I shouldn't have been watching it because I was like... No, <laughs> well, 86 is all right. I was about 20. You were right. still, you, were, still, you, were, you were in your 20s. Yeah, yeah. So I was 19. I was 19. Yeah. That's that's all right to watch kids TV. I watch kids TV, you know. For, I still well, I'm watching it again now because I'm because I'm watching my daughter. We know about uh, Rebecca from Let's Play, uh, so uh, we've we've heard we've heard enough about that. So you've been in, you've been in a lots of you've been in a lot of massive shows over the last twenty well, or thirty. Well, uh, here in York, York Theatre Royal, yeah. uh, I did two plays. One was side with Rosie playing uh, Laurie Lee. And he came to see it. He was doing a Penguin Bookshop signing. Wow. And it was fantastic meeting the guy himself, playing him, and then playing a 28-year-old Billy Casper in Kez. So I was surrounded by all these kids from Huntington School. I was having to shave twice a day. And these <laughs> genuine 15-year-old kids. Uh, it's first on your left. I like the way you've, uh, you've gone to the toilet there. You're sitting on the end of the row and you've walked down the entire row in the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I love when someone's drunk. That is what I... Have you seen a lion coming out of the wall? Because yeah, that's yeah, coming yeah. up next. Was Don't look at that wall because you'll see your own face coming out of that wall and that yeah. will terrify you. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, what was I talking about? Yeah, uh, no, uh, you were, so, that's amazing. So, uh, um, uh, Berry Kaler, who writes and uh, is the long, longest-running dame in the UK in the panto, he said, do you fancy doing the panto? I said, well, great, because it's such an anarchistic uh, art form. It's, it's brilliant. And so 32 years later, here I am, still doing yeah. it. Yeah. So that's what everyone was saying to me about this, is the, you're the sort of pantomime... Well, well is king the right word or queen the right word? I don't know. <laughs> With please. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's, that's here in York. Is it, is it always in, in York? Or you... Yeah, it's consecutive pantomimes. Yeah. And um, the thing is that it's written like a year in advance. So it's a lot of care is taken with it. You get, and I hate to say this, but a lot of commercial pantomimes, it's like they've been on a soap opera. Uh, can you basically speak and walk in a direction? You're in, and that's it. <laughs> Uh, and you know, pantomime is a. Sorry, say again. Who's punching? Who's Judy? I'm definitely Judy, and Barry <laughs> is definitely Punch. I don't yeah. know who's the baby. Yeah. You know what, Punch and Judy? You know, Punch and Judy and pantomimes aren't the same thing. No. I mean, One's, again, it's it's a good. Yeah. It's a good question. I'm going to ask it to on my the other beach. guests. One's in a theatre. <laughs> Once is that the only theatre you've been to? A Punch and Judy theatre. <laughs> Everything's so small. I'm sitting far away because there's loads of kids in the way. What's going on? Um, it's good. It's good. Who do you think would win in a fight between ISIS and Donald Trump? No, that's right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's a, that's an amazing thing to be. And, that, to, and so that, the, has Beric been doing it for even longer than... 1977. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, BC, before cash points. 
uh, yeah, I mean, again, he was doing uh, the play Twelfth Night, Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, playing a surrender of cheek, and the director then uh, said, uh, do, do you fancy... Uh, well, the story about Beric is that the scripts were absolutely appalling. The sets were dreadful. They were like Chinese rice paper. He punched a hole through one. He said that there's absolutely no expense has been uh, spared on these sets. The script is terrible. And he, so next day, the director, Michael Winter, he said, right, okay, the dancers, great. Chorus, it's working well. Beric, that is the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen in my life. So he picked his briefcase up and he said, right, I'm off back to Chiswick, West London. See ya, fun of the dame. And so he went back and it was snowing outside, went back to his digs and the landlady there, it was only about half 10, and she said, uh, you're back early. Yeah, I've just had a note session, I've just quit. Why? Because the scripts are absolutely terrible. They're really appalling. So there's a knock on the door and it was the uh, general manager the artistic director, the stage manager, the company manager, all there. She opened the door and she said, yes, uh, we'd like to see Beric for a moment. She said, I'll see if he's in. <laughs> Shut the door. It was lying by the gas fire watching morning television. And she said, uh, the entire theatre committee are here. And he said, well, wait for about 20 minutes. I'll have another cup of tea, please. Mm -hmm. So they were standing there. They came in, snow laden. And they came in and said, Beric, you, you were right. The scripts are appalling. Would you please continue as a dame? And also, would you write next year's? And he said, I can't even write a check. He said, but, but honestly, please. would." And that's how it all began. Yeah. And he's great. It's like working with an untamed dog. <laughs> <laughs> and you've also, I mean, you've done lots of theatre. You've done lots of um, TV. You've been in lots yeah, of yeah. iconic TV. Well, the so first... you start, you start in Angels the first thing you were Angels, in? yeah. Ron which I remember, Austin, I remember. Uh, Angels, yeah. Well, there's a theme tune to it, which was... You'll never work again. Never, never work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So th that was great. I mean, it's been on primetime TV. When, you know, you're just 22 years old. Yeah. It's great. With lots of nurses. Oh, I was the only male nurse in it. That's <laughs> my mate Gordon Kane, who was sitting here somewhere. When I heard I'd got the job, he said it'd be like a dipso in an off license. <laughs> well, I, I remember. I remember. I do. I, I do remember you in it surprisingly because yeah. uh, there was lots of pretty girls in it. And... Very. But I still remember you in it as well. So that oh, thank you. somewhere in the back of my mind, there's a very. You're probably just getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, just every time. Oh, God. Why has, he, why has he turned up and ruined it? <laughs> uh, but you've also been in Emmerdale, Heartbeat, The Bill. I mean, it's, they, these are all these massive Yeah, shows. it was the, the, the Heartbeat. I'd been seen uh, twice for the programme Heartbeat and I hadn't got the part. And then suddenly my agent rang up and they said, well, they're going to offer you this part, uh, Sapper Smith. Uh, it's a bomb disposal thing. Uh, Greengrass finds that in the middle of his field, he's got an unexploded bomb. So he's hauled out, a body double, is on a harness, all like that. And it was two weeks filming in 1995. Uh, and it was a really belting hot summer, almost like 76, which you won't remember. I do remember 76. Ah! So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was an absolute scorcher. And anyway, I said to my agent, I said, this is great. So do I get to cut the wires, do all the jelly, you know, jelly ignite? I said, the whole lot, everything. You cut, not the pink wire, the blue wire, perspiration, everything like that. I said, it's great. So... How many episodes? I said, will you die in it? You get, <laughs> you get blown up. Oh. And what it was, the bomb disposal expert on, on the set, he said, it's the worst case scenario. You've got the wires, you've got the liquid. So you snip the wires, that works okay. 
But you get the liquid and you have to, it can take up to 20 hours to spoon out this explosive liquid. So in the storyline, the young copper comes up, hello there, sapper, how's it going? And I go, it's as good as done. And then bang it like a teaspoon on a cup. <laughs> bang, and that's it. Oh. And uh, I've just got to tell you this as well, is that that very same year, it came out just before we opened the pantomime in 1995. So I came along, skipping on, hello, <laughs> girls and boys. And Beric just arrived from the wings and said, yeah, forget all that. He said, who saw me son? Who saw me son in heartbeat on Sunday night? And nearly everyone put their hands up. And he said, right. He said, did you notice the bit, the hand in the sand? And it was, it was pig's blood that was like that. They did about 17 takes of it like that. So it was a bit like uh, in Snow White, yeah. where it's just a hand demonstrates she's kind of died yeah so anyway it's a hand like that pig's blood 17 takes and it was all twitching there and for heartbeat that was quite something you know someone dies in it and he said now then everybody ladies and gentlemen girls and boys if you look really closely if you videoed it <laughs> you can just see in the hand it says available for panto <laughs> <laughs> and so look, look before we run out of time i do i have to talk to you yeah. about you had a really terrible accident last, oh, last boy. year yeah, yeah, it was, um, I'd got this motorbike uh, I bought, and it was a grey uh, Kimco Zing, which used to be part of the Honda company, and it's just classic-looking jet black chrome bike. I bought it in Keswick, Theatre by the Lake, in uh, about May time, uh, because the lad who, who owned it was selling it. Uh, anyway, I thought a great idea in last September, bright weather, still late summer, would be to go all the way back to Keswick on the bike from York, uh, and it was an uneventful trip there, as I got to. <laughs> Stayed over, watched the play, came back, and uh, I was going on the A59, just about 30 miles from York, and uh, this driver, she, she just pulled out of a, of a lane, and I had about a second to react. Um, I flew through the air, broke my leg, liver was mashed, 17 broken ribs. That's more <laughs> ribs than any human being has. It, it actually is. But the, the doctor said to me, before you ask, you've got 24, so seven are all right. Beg your pardon? What are your ribs? Yeah. Yeah, don't rib me. No. Uh, yeah. No, well, the good thing about the ribs is that you, you, they do repair themselves unless they're actually adjuncted like that. Yeah. So uh, I had... Um, I'd, Two heart attacks. Uh, one was like five minutes. Yeah. And the uh, brain well, cells. Well, your brain, so your heart stopped for your heart stopped for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And after a minute, they start to. Yeah. yeah. No, but you 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 can actually lose brain cells after yeah. about a minute. So the Yorkshire Air Ambulance arrived, and they said to me, I, I, I met the guys who actually saved my life, and I said, so Lee and Al, uh, what did you what did you see when you got to the roadside? So the helicopter landed in a the field. There's a massive crowd of people, fire engine, police and everything. And uh, yours was the worst case scenario because your heart had stopped. What happens when you get extreme trauma is that, uh, I don't know how it happens, but air escapes from your lungs and it fills the torso with air, which depresses a lung. And I said, in your case, it was the worst possible thing is that two of the ribs had pierced the other lung. So it was, right, no heart, no lungs. And he said, uh, it's a good job you're sitting down, Martin, because the, the survival rate is about 1%. And I was like, I just about fainted on the spot. And I said, so it, had there not been a helicopter, he said, I'll stop you there. Had there not been a helicopter, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So, uh, 
and we're doing a, a cricket match on the 20th of August at Hewis yeah. uh, in aid of Yorkshire Air Ambulance. That's terrific. Yeah, plus that's, that's, I mean, that's incredible. Do you remember the accident itself, or is it, do you, do you remember? It, it, it's, it's, the thing is, I, because you've got a solicitor who handles the compensation case, and it's a long, drawn-out thing, and their boss is a barrister. That's the absolute legal silk, you know. Yeah. So... Uh, we had a three-way conversation in March just to sort out what exactly I'm claiming for and all like that. And so he said, look, I've got to ask you, you you're part of a, an exclusive club of someone who's died and come back. Did you see Jacob's Ladder? Yeah. Or the Grim Reaper? I said, no, it went jet black for what seemed like an eternity. And then suddenly all the lights came on, looked just like a job centre, you know. <laughs> And uh, a guy in a pinstripe suit, a bit like Mr. Grimsdale in Norman Wisdom films. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, right, Mr. Barris, you've had uh, a motorbike crash. Uh, when? He said, we believe it's uh, fatal. So what, I, I don't know what you're talking about. So what can you do for me? So he said, well, if you go upstairs and uh, then part of my waking dream coma, whatever, was to lean back and a nurse put a, a needle tracheotomy, yeah. which is... I asked why they do that, and that's because they have to regulate the breathing. Again, in trauma, everything swells up and your breathing can stop. Yeah. So, sorry, it's a laugh a minute, isn't it? No, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. But no, it, it is absolutely intriguing how they, the procedures they go through in order to save your life. And they're working round the clock. They are, I mean, yeah. these people are absolute saints. Sure, sure. So you're essentially a zombie then, really, aren't you? So it's a shame, it's a shame, shame we didn't have the proper Rahul Kohli on, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Ruined it. And, and, and you, you seem like so... I mean, this is only... It's not even a year ago this happened. No, no, it's September. September. It's just September, So yeah. this is incredible yeah. rapid recovery, isn't it? Or is, I mean, this... Well, it... it uh, because to say that, like, survival, survival rate is 1%, and the nurses, I remember again in my kind of coma situation, they were saying, you are... You've, it's a miracle recovery. I mean, yeah. it really is miraculous. Because the diagnosis on my life, the... Uh, sorry, the prognosis, was not at all good. As soon as I was taken to hospital, they got friends and family in, and my best mate Gordon who's here uh, you know they, 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 they and there, there are certain setbacks because you think you're getting better and then suddenly you're going I've got pneumonia and, and they're saying well that could polish you off as well yeah, within yeah. the hour um, but yeah the, 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 the care and I was moved from Jimmy's uh, or Leeds General intensive care to uh, Jimmy's hospital but I tell you what the drug ketamine Whoa! Whoa! If you want ninjas with black woolen gloves, I woke up to find myself in front of all these mannequin people, and one was like, "Hello, boy, you've had a bit of a crash, a, a hip flask," and then, "Hello, boy, you've a bit of a clash," and that went off like five hundred times. Um, and all these mannequin people, uh, 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 and, and then, you know, then I was sort of being a bit sick and everything. Next day, I was moved to another train compartment, uh, and I said, well, what's happened to all those mannequin people? And just, you know, just like the Snow White thing, the hand like that, there, I looked, she said, they're all through there. I looked, and there was a, a tweed cuff with, a, with a, a hand just dangling. She said, they're all dead. But they were quite nice to the first people I met. I said, what's this? What's this thing on my leg? Because I broke my leg as well. She said, well, haven't they told you anything when you got here? I said, no. She said, well, we put lead in it each day till it gets so heavy you can't lift it. <laughs> she said, you're here to die. 
and it was it was absolutely wow. so I think what happens is that somewhere in the brain somewhere in your psyche you go I don't want this to happen I don't want this to happen but I've just got to tell you this so yeah. I remember a bit of a motor mouth but my my, no, my, my Gordon he came over and by now with all the ketamine kicking in his head was just like a puddle above York Station pavement. <laughs> and he's going, Martin, Martin. I went, Gordon, what is it? And he said, well, you know, uh, we was talking to basically someone with their eyes completely white, completely out of it. He said, you like Ronnie Barker, don't you? And it, it's like tapping on the glass. I'm going, yes, I love Ronnie Barker. He said, you like, can you hear me? Can you? you like Ronnie Barker? I've got a collection of short stories, right? Uh, and P.G. Woodhouse, your dad used to love P.G. Woodhouse, you know, all those drones and everything and eccentrics. Uh, anyway, it's a collection of stories. The first one is The Case of the Missing Hat by P.G. Woodhouse. I'll read it to you. So he's reading it to, like, a zombie, basically. <laughs> and when I came out and recuperated at Gordon uh, and Sue's, um, we, we just got chatting. I said, you came to hospital and you read something about Ronnie Barker. And Gordon said, uh, yeah, I've got the book. I said, no, no, don't, don't even bother getting the... It was a uh, case of the missing hat, P.G. Woodhouse. I mean, it was going, but you, you can't possibly remember any of that. You can't. So when I went back to uh, Jimmy's and Lee's General, I told the doctors and nurses about this, and they said, this is incredible, because the thing of playing bits of music, showing familiar photographs, it's, it, to someone in that state, you know, completely gone is I said, but for me, I, I couldn't speak, but I could hear and understand everything that was being said. So I recited the story to Gordon. Uh, and, and it is, and they said, well, the jury's still out, but it's nice to know that you've been there and it, and it happened. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. And has it given, what perspective has it given you, on your, has it changed your, your life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, Every it's more day. than a second chance, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I did say to Gordon, I said, uh, fancy getting on a motorbike again and see if he'd well stab you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'll it, survive that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I suppose the thing is that, uh, you know, I drive a car now, but it is uh, side roads, you still like get a bit knee-jerk if someone starts to cut you up a bit. Yeah. And are you back doing the panto again? This year? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It was weird because uh, they said, would you come along to press night? And I said, well, I, I just look so thin. I, you know, I, got, I sort of went under seven stone. Yeah. Um, you know, nurse made the bed. I was still in it. Um, <laughs> turned sideways and let me absent. And uh, so uh, I, I did a little bit of, because they do a bit of corny filming, like chase sequences, whatever, each year, about yeah, a five-minute yeah. long film. And they said, well, this, uh, you know, this macabre doctor has made its creation. So when we undo the bandages, it's you. <laughs> and we did the filming. And I said, I, I just look so gone. I don't want to terrify people. I said, anyway, watched it. It was okay. Uh, and I went along to the, the press night. And it was just weird watching a show that you've done since the mid-'80s, and you ain't in it. Yeah. But you'll be, you're going to be in it this this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Try and so stop back. me. Yeah, I'll do yeah. it for now. <laughs> <laughs> and is it you, you? I mean, you seem completely fit. Is, you, is it still? Are you, yeah, yeah. Still it, struggling it, it, or it, it, uh, the, the main thing was, uh, you know, last November, December, getting out of bed and being on a Zimmer frame. Yeah. And just this feeling of nausea all the time, and this this absolute tiredness. Just you know, because there's no time scale of getting better for something like that. Uh, I mean, I was lucky. I was I was dead lucky. Yeah. Um, and and. You know, frozen shoulders uh, because, you know, 50 miles an hour, you don't normally hit a brick wall. Had I been in a car, 
there would have been a bit of ricochet. I'd have got a dent. She'd have got a dent in her car, air cushion, and then exchange insurance numbers. But of course, on a on a on a on a motorbike, it's just you. So of course, that side was hit by the car at 50 miles an hour. That landed on the road there. So, but but frozen shoulders, uh, you, you can take you know you can take about a year to repair. But yeah. the success rate is about 100. percent Right. So. Reach yeah. for the sky. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible story. I'm very glad you're still here. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll try and put you through something else next time. I'll get, <laughs> get, come on next year. Let's <laughs> see what we can do. We've still got a little bit of time, so I'll, I'll ask you. I mean, there's so much to there's so much to uh, talk about. You were at drama school with Gary Oldman. You've worked with him a few times as well. No, I wasn't at drama school with Gary Oldman, but he did the York Panto oh, right, here. Okay. And me and my brother Dave, who was sitting, we saw he played uh, Dick Whittington. Uh, Dick Whittington, the cat. He played the cat. Right. But he was so hungover because I don't know. If, <laughs> If anyone remembers the old world uh, down Stonegate uh, nightclub, yeah, the old world, brilliant. Well, Gary dined there and had his breakfast there and drank there. He was he was hungover a lot of time in the cat costume and he kept fainting. Mm. <laughs> and look at what a shit career he's had. <laughs> Uh, and you work on radio. Are you still doing the Radio York shows? No, it, no. it, it was just while I was. Uh, Available, right? Uh, but but yeah, son of uh, acting. It, it was when and if you know, sort of uh, could do it like two hours, and it was, it was great. Yeah, there was there was one article because I used to look at uh, the best thing was the um, the small eye independent uh, newspaper. Yeah. These sound bites, and one was about someone had noticed that a new kids book, illustrated book about Noah's Ark, and it had two male lions. You know. It, 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 yeah, with the, with, the, with the mains on, so it's two. Uh, so I said on radio, I just thought, well, this part, maybe they're off to a Pride concert. <laughs> Whoa, get in! <laughs> I know. And there's an after laugh as well. <laughs> it's very good. It's that's an interesting mistake to make, though, isn't it? For, uh, yeah. The, how do you think the Christians and the, and the Jewish people who believe in Noah's Ark yeah. would be slightly upset about that? Yeah, well, exactly. It's yeah, sort yeah. of yeah. Condoning, times condoning. Times change. It is as good. But how did the lions... Oh, God. Let's, let's not even think about how they managed to... Well, it was the chocolate bar up the arse, wasn't it? Yeah, it might, yeah. Be, might very well. I go for a Toblerone every would time. Would you? Yeah. Oh, those ridges. <laughs> Out on its own. Airport size or normal size? Air- <laughs> Airport size. Well, it's like the pyramids going right through. Now you just have to. Ch- everything has to be a challenge now. Doesn't it? Now you. Now you've. Now you've lived through the everything. You have to take everything to the extreme. <laughs> I'll ask you. I'll ask you something else. Um, all right, I'll ask you. This is a very complicated question, but it, you know, let's see how it goes. It's the midway point in the book, so I was I was a bit off it myself. This is a bit like being on ketamine. If you could have all your teeth replaced by psychic orbs that could tell you all future events by telepathy, but would scream at a high pitched volume every time you opened your mouth, <laughs> would you go ahead with the teeth replacement operation? So your teeth, the teeth can tell you the future, but they, every time you open your mouth, which is going to be a lot. Well, I, 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 I. I, I... In, in hospital, when, yep. say, Gordon, my best mate, uh, he won't mind me telling this, but they said, are you his father? <laughs> and he's six months older than me. <laughs> but then they looked at my mouth and they said, are they his own teeth? <laughs> what? So, <laughs> so I'd have to go for that or replace by yeah, jelly replace babies, I don't know, or something like are that. Are your own teeth? They think in the accident, they'd been so bad, someone else's teeth had been knocked into your mouth. <laughs> 
so hard that they'd implanted themselves in your gun. And these zone teams, no, I don't, I don't think they are. There's somebody else, there was someone else in the accident and they've got no teeth. Yes. We must go and find them. Is that Draclear? <laughs> I'm just going at random. Um, what's your favorite color? That's a bit benign question, isn't it? Red. It's got to be red, red. Scarlet. Yeah, pillar box. Blue, yeah. blue, blue, purple. Yeah, a lot yeah. of different choices on there. My, my daughter likes purple. I'm royal. It's yeah. a royal color, isn't it? Purple. I think she just likes it because she likes the word purple, though. She can say purple. That's the best one she can say out of all the colors. But she does always pick pur purple. I like orange. Well, that's why, the, no, that's why the book's no. orange. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. Who, who's right and who's wrong? We don't know, do we? We don't know either. What is the most pretentious book you've ever bought but not read? The Bible. <laughs> you should read some good stuff in the Bible. Oh, there are. And what's the final word in the Bible? Uh, amen. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Haven't I got small feet? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I know, I'm good. I know everything about the Bible. Yeah, I'll on. ask one of the early ones. Um, uh, have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, there's, there's she, are you a ghost? Is that what you're saying? You have, because here I am. Uh, you work for you Spectre. Did, you, did, uh, Please. you did. You did disappear Please. for a bit. I did try. Yeah, yeah disappeared, didn't you? I looked and you weren't there for a bit. And only a ghost would be able to go down that way down. Because uh, how did you get through all the legs? So she is a ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever tried to suck your own cock? I and mean, maybe you can do it now. No, but I've seen it. I've seen it done Have on you, a video. Yeah. A very shaky VHS. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the tape gets sticking. I don't know. About um, but the guy actually, he lay on his back, yeah. and he was able to. Well, I'm sorry, but the really parts of the but body. We have asked the question. You know, He's only yeah. asked the question. Don't be so Victorian. <laughs> uh, so he lay on his back there, and uh, the said member yeah. was, uh, you know, he, he got he got a fair amount in as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I just... I what, was the penis just laying on his back? Because this is an audio for anyone at home. Uh, absolutely. The penis was so long it just went into his mouth. Yeah, I think that was an advantage. Yeah, because, that does you know, help. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, small feet. I mean, yeah. little jockey, big whip. But, yeah. um... <laughs> thank you. Uh, but, you know, if you can do it, then, yeah. I mean, if you can get around to it... Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, hours, hours of endless, endless fun. I'm not sure, though, you know. I mean, you, yeah, you are... You're getting, well, I mean, are you could You're listen, getting your penis sucked, but you're also sucking a penis, and it's your own penis. And it's, it's your own penis, it's, yeah. Well, you could always hit it, and then it would go a bit numb, and then yeah. know what it's like. Okay. Or, but... Hit yourself oh, in the mouth, and it's like someone else is doing Exactly. Or you go, to a, you go to a pub, you go to a bar, and you go, I can't wait to get myself home and take advantage <laughs> of myself. And then ignore yourself for an hour. <laughs> And so what else is it coming up? Is it just the, is the pantomimes that have you, have you... Can we see you in anything else? I'm doing a show uh, written by John Gobert, and it's oh, about of, um, City of Hull, uh, Culture City, and it's called The Kings of Hull. Uh, uh, and I thought it was about the monarchy, but it's not. It's this family called the King family who are a bit, like, shameless. Right. Uh, and uh, that's on... It's only doing about, like, 14 performances at Hull New Theatre, which has been... Out of £30 million refurbishment. Uh, and it's the end of September, 
early October. Brilliant. That's great. You've done quite a lot of stuff for the whole truck. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's been in existence since 1971. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's taken st- loads of stuff to... I mean, in 1988, they were called the Kings of Edinburgh yeah. because they had eight shows. Yes. Magnificent Eight. But now I'm the King of Edinburgh. You're the King uh, of but Edinburgh. But I, no, I remember. Well, I was up in 88 and I, remember, I saw Bouncers. Yes. And then I actually, you know, I did a gig at... Uh, one of the tick, the tick, Coventry TikTok comedy club. Where, TikTok, and, yeah, yes. Which I think um, John Gaunt might have been yep, running at the time. Absolutely. Back in and the they were days kind of rival, but rival companies, TikTok yeah, yeah. and the whole truck. But those, but those whole truck boys, the boys from, I was really excited because the boys from Bouncers were doing yeah. just stuff in the audience, you know, during the interval. Oh, stuff. absolutely. It was, it was, it was really, pre-show stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I remember a great line from Bouncers where they say, "Has anyone had any, uh, anyone had any weird sex?" And Ralph says, uh, "Yeah, I have." What was it like? He says, weird. <laughs> Succinct. It is. It's good. Well, look, we've, time's clock is pressing against us, and we're going to have to end it there. But it's been really terrific to meet you. I'm really terrific to talk to you. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, so please give a massive applause for both my guests, Martin Barras and Rahul Kohli. Thank you very much for coming along to see this. Cheers, ma'am. <laughs>